Say Something's Girl Talk, a place for women to hear and share an encouraging word. Authors and media personalities Rebecca Carroll and Susie Larson field questions on identity and worth issues. Thanks for joining the conversation. Here we go. When you, um, I know Susie, you talk about the lies that we believe and the truth that we need. The phraseology is so good and I'm going to butcher it, so I'm going to let you do it. It's the lies we so that comes out of my new book, Fully okay. Alive. I had a massive health relapse about three years ago, and that the book is the fruit of what I learned. But in that place, when the storm started to surge in my body again, I was begging God not to let me walk through this again. And what he whispered across my heart was, the storms reveal the lies we believe and the truths we need. And I'm like, what are the lies that I believe? And there was the lie. I can get to you anytime, anywhere, and God will never stop me. Do you know, I have battled on so many levels around the fear thing, but that was still embedded in my soul. Like, I, I didn't realize it till the storm that I, there was a part of me that was still bracing for impact, that God allowed what he allowed, which means what else would he allow? But there was still a portion of me that didn't fully trust, that I wouldn't have to endure everything I feared. And it was a D-Day battle. So the storms reveal the lives we believe and the truths we need. And I think it's true for all of us that storms are a perfect opportunity to be delivered. I think God, when he knows we're ready, will allow an overplayed enemy attack to position us for freedom. I believe that with everything in me. I've seen it time and time again. you too can address that because I know that you you're open about struggles that you've had with anxiety and and so when you sit that when you when you reach that what are some of the lies that you think collectively as women we tend to believe because I mean you know we're a little bit the same mm-hmm. a lot of the time and what's the truth that counters it I think one of the things that we tend to fall into is that if I have this then I will be you know, and again, you know, I, I'm always, I'm just a little bit obsessed with the notion that our behavior betrays our belief. Because again, we can say all the right things, um, but we all have a little batch of if-onlys, right? And I've, I've had a million, I mean, I've moved every three years of my life three times that landed me not very far from where you lived in Minnesota, but um, so I always thought that if I only had more friends, I would be okay. If I was popular, I would be okay. Um, Then it was if I could only get my foot in the door in radio, I would be okay. And then it was if I could only have a boyfriend, and then if it was if I could only get married, and then, you know, it just, it keeps on going. And what happens is that the bar keeps moving. And so, what I've discovered with this is that um, God is not a carrot dangler, but the enemy certainly is. Wow. You know, and, and happiness is always just out of reach. It's always one more raise. It's always one more kid. It's always one more, uh, you know, in the circles I'm swimming in now, it's always a book deal, or it's a this, or it's this conference, or it's this kind of speaking engagement, or it's, you know, being interviewed on this show. And, and at the end of the day, um, None of this satisfies, you know, I mean, we're fed this message all the time that if I had this, then I would be this. And at the end of the day, you know, David got the order right in the psalm. It's only on meditating on who the Lord is through the faithful study of his word that we can really start to understand just what it is that's missing and what it takes to really satisfy our soul. Because we all just, we're all looking for that wholeness, you know. We all just want to hear someone say, it'll be okay. And God actually says that to us over and over in scripture. So I think that's one of my favorite truths is that in the end, it really is going to be okay. 
Like it really, like feel that in your bones. It's going to be okay. Because God says so. What about you, Susie? Well, fear has been a big thing. Um, but that was another one. It was a D-Day battle. I mean, I have dealt with it and been honest about it over the years on, on varying levels and gained some significant ground. But this last battle with new neurological uh, symptoms, neurological diseases are horrific. I think we all know that, right? And after going through what I went through the first time, just to be brutally honest, I'd rather die, that's what I felt, than have to live halfway. Because I'm a doer, and I love life. And to be watching everybody else seem to enjoy life while you're crawling it just was like the worst torture for me. So I just, you know, and it's a terrible thing to say. I'm just being really honest. So that was one of those embedded things, the fear of another debilitating disease. So this storm brought it up for me. And when I, I have two doctors, they're both Christians, one's a functional medicine doctor, one's a traditional med doctor, and they're working together to help me get better. Go, I know, go figure, right? That's a miracle, right, exactly. But they, I learned from them, and I just interviewing brain experts on my radio show, I'm super interested in, in the brain science from a biblical perspective that our brains have two motivational fuels only, love or fear, fear or love. So you're either operating on fear track or on the love track, but in physiologically, when you're in fear, you actually are allowing all kinds of inflammation in your body. And when you have an inflammatory response in your body, that's where sickness and disease grows. So both my doctors are like, all you have is inflammation right now. You can't afford it. You've got to find a way to deal with this fear. Well, Scripture says, I, you know, God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and sound mind. And I didn't dive on that passage. And you correct me because you're a seminary student. But this is what I learned, which is amazing to me, is power. He's not given us a spirit of fear. So if, I think fear can be downright demonic at times. But if power is dunamis power, explosive power, we can walk in kingdom power. Love in that verse is agape love. You love not your life even unto death. So it's the kind of love that you love not your life even unto death. And then sound mind is what it is. It's wisdom. It's war skill. It's keeping your wits about you. Well, look at how the earth is operating in the world and the culture has gone mad. They're in a place of fear. And when you're in fear, when your brain is in fear, you go into reaction. They're not operating in power. They're earthbound. They're not walking in love, love not your life. They're in all self-preservation. And kingdom life and self-preservation are incompatible. They don't have a sound mind. They've lost their wits. And the enemy is coming at the body of Christ in our weak places around fear. And it's stirring us up. And we've got to remember, we've been not been given a spirit of fear. And I still, it was still was like, I know this is true, but this is so scary to me. And one of my core prayer people who has permission to say anything she needs to, to whack me upside the head if I need to, she said to me, uh, you can go ahead and fight for your life, but you have to die to that fear. She said, I see you still trying to negotiate with God about not having another debilitating illness. And I know there's lots of different theological perspectives on if God always heals and all of that. I don't want to get into that, but it was a very real possibility for me. And I'm like, She's like, you have to get on the altar. She said, the devil cannot mess with a corpse. And you're squirming a little too much. <laughs> and I'm like, huh. You know, to the idea of getting on that altar to say, God, I believe you can heal me. But even if you don't, even if round two is worse than round one, you are still God. Now, that sounds really good, but it was the scariest thing because I meant it. So to mean it meant I had to wrestle till I could get there. And so I literally saw myself, and I'm very visual, so God tends to speak to me in word pictures. I, this little rag doll on this altar curled in a ball, 
Scripture says, a bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. I was all of that and then some. And all of a sudden, I got this visual of the Lion of Judah, like Aslan in the Chronicles of Narnia with the flowing mane. So I'm on the altar, and I just get this picture of him rising up and putting one paw on one side of me and another paw on the other side, and just roaring into the atmosphere. As if to serve the atmosphere, notice she belongs to me. Then he whispered to my heart, Susie, right now you feel fragile and vulnerable, but you're only one of those things. You're fragile, but you're not vulnerable. You're always secure in my heart. You're always secure in my love. There, there really isn't a place for insecurity in the heart of the believer. There isn't because we're tethered to a most high God. This is the hope that's our anchor to the inner court of the most high God. His hold on us is so much more stronger than our hold on him. And it was just a D-Day moment where I thought, I don't get to do this. I don't get to just revel in fear even if I have a good reason to. And from a physiological perspective, I can't afford it. I can't afford the inflammation. So that was another one of the lies that I believed. And I'm telling you, every time I do a radio show on fear, the call screen lights up. It's an issue. I just think it is. But I know that overwhelming victory belongs to us. But it's been a fight for me. But I, I'm not the person I was now. I'm so grateful. So good. OK, any comments on that? Yes. Oh, OK, hold on. We'll go to Becky, and then we're going. That's a great question. When do I address the traumas? I'd already gone through counseling many, many years ago and sorted through so much of that. But as she was saying over dinner, um, that we're onions, you know, we're layers upon layers. And so the remnant left, because I'm not a victim. I don't live in the perpetual fear of victimhood at all. I mean, that God has done such a deep work. But the, the remaining lie that was really buried in my soul that I didn't even know was there was that he can get to me anytime. I, I really, if I'm honest, it's like I think in the back of my mind, I just thought, you know, the, last, the next blow that will take me out will be my, my death blow. Like, you know, like I don't know that it was going to happen for me. And it and still could, but I can't live in fear that way. I can't live, you know, so that, how I started to battle the fear. I mean, I did go back to counseling for about three, four sessions during this health relapse because of the unbelievable stuff it was bringing up in me. But it was almost like yanking up a weed around that, that stuff, because I'd done a lot of work around that. But the way for me that I conquered fear is I developed a zero tolerance policy. I just decided there's no room in my brain for fear. And I did some reading around the brain. I'm just fascinated by it. But as a fitness person, I understand that our bodies respond to our most consistent choices to help our bodies. So if you, whether, you, that's, whether you have positive, healthy choices or very unhealthy choices, your body will gravitate towards your most consistent choices to make it easier to do whatever you're doing, whether it's destructive or it's healthy. And the same thing is with our brain, that every repetitive thought that you have starts out as a pathway, and then it turns into like a four-legged superhighway. And what's amazing is for me to keep going to fear about the what-ifs, my face would go numb. Oh my goodness, the what-ifs. My arms would go numb. The what-ifs. You know, I'd have these bone-crushing headaches. The what-ifs. As my brain is getting used to going down that path, I, it turns from a pathway to a four-lane superhighway. Well, the faster and the wider that path gets, the more triggerable I am. So not only am I not triggered by my symptoms, I'm triggered by someone else's symptoms. And what I learned is that when I stop using that path, like I put a road closed sign there and I form a new path, it's called neuroplasticity, what's amazing is if I neglect that path enough after about a month, your brain deletes it because you're no longer using it. And that helped me. 
because I mean, I, I just I needed to know, like intellectually, spiritually, emotionally, in every other way, how to do this. So I just knew if I, by an act of my will, by God's grace, by the power of his word, go zero tolerance policy, yes, my body's on fire right now, but God, you're good. You will always make a way for me. Your promises are true. And if I do have to face something, I'm facing it with the Prince of Peace, not the spirit of fear. I'm determined. And that just, I just was like the fight of my life. But I still, like tonight, um, my neck's a little numb and I have a little bit of a pressure in my head. No fear. I mean, it is amazing how God has delivered me. But for me, now maybe you'd be delivered like that and I pray you are, but it wasn't the case for me. But it's no less of a miracle because I feel like I am a walking miracle because I had lots of issues. So anyway. <laughs> I did. I mean, I mean, and for good reason. I've been through some stuff, you know. But God has been good, and His promises are true. So, yeah. Can I add to that just a little bit? Absolutely. One of the things that I've found dealing more with them um, when you deal with men and you deal with women, you can't really make a, a big sweeping general statement. But if you were going to, women tend to be higher in the emotional. Um, you know, we tend to be more. Uh, emotive and men tend to be a little more linear not all of the time but as a generalization and so one of the things that I've found is uh, our feelings when we are in a trauma situation are almost never coming from the facts our feelings are almost always born out of fear and so I love your zero tolerance policy because we just took a little bit of a hit in our family, uh, just something we've wrestled with and we sort of thought we were done and, and oh, nope, we're not. And so, um, you know, I was talking to my husband and he said, and I just feel, and I just feel, and I just feel, and I said, okay, stop. What do we know? Amen. You know, th this is how we feel. Feel, but that's based on our fears. So what are the facts in this situation? Okay, the fact is that God set his glory above the heavens. The fact is that he is outside of time and space, but enters into time and space to condescend to his people, just like us, because he loves us. The fact is that he's promised to never leave us or forsake us. The fact is when we walk through the fire, we will not get burned, right? The fact is that when Daniel and his three friends, or I'm sorry, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were in the flames of the fiery furnace, there was a fourth man in there, and when they got out, they didn't even smell like smoke. And the Egyptians walked through the Red Sea uh, on dry land and didn't even, the souls, of their shoes were not wet. And so the fact is that God is so much bigger than our circumstances. And when all we do is obsess about our circumstances, well, you know, that which we focus on magnifies. And so when we allow ourselves to succumb to fear, because I think that's what it is, is we give in to our feelings and we succumb to the fear, we're kind of turning our back on the facts. And I, since coming to the knowledge that I can actually override my emotions with what I know, as long as I repeat what I know and make it my reality, that has given me not a sweeping victory, but little bitty pockets of it here and there, right? Just like little bitty pockets of it, so. Okay, I hate to tell you this, but I think it's 9.50 from what I understand as in. Oh, 8.50, never mind, punky. Yeah. Okay. 
So I'm a huge believer in scripture memorization. And when you study, you all probably know this, but when you study the armor of God and, and Paul walks us through the different pieces, when he gets to the sword of the spirit, uh, which is the word of God, the Greek language is um, pretty hyper-specific. So we have one word for a word, and it means word, and there were three that Paul could have chosen. In Greek, he could have said graphi, which is the written word, the written word. Um, he could have said logos, uh, which is the meat of the word. It's the meaning of the words, the message. And uh, he, could have said, he could have used rima, which is the spoken word. And so when he's talking about the sword of the spirit, he's talking about the rima. So the sword of the spirit is speaking the word into your circumstances. And when I memorize, I just repeat. I just, I, I just you know, Ephesians 1, 1, and I say it, and I say it, and I say it, and say it, okay, 1, 1, and 1, 2, and I say it, and I say it, and I say it. And there really is, um, if we're going to agree that the word is true, and I think we've, we've all come to that conclusion, then that's our weapon. That's, that's got, there is something supernatural that happens when we are speaking God's word. You know this, Punky, when we're speaking God's word over our situation. And so scripture memorization is, is a big one, but you're thinking, okay, that's too hard. Um, I love to journal, and I, I, I feel like when I'm going to come to the Lord, I want to come as empty of me as I can be so he can fill me with him. And so before I, I read the Bible, just, you know, for myself and not for studying for school, I just journal for 10 or 15 minutes, and I confess what I need to confess, and I, I wrestle with what I'm wrestling with, and I lay it at the Lord's feet, and this beautiful transaction takes place that you see in the Psalms. It's where you start out lamenting and you end praising. And so those are some practical things that have always really made me feel very, very close to the Lord. Wow, so good. And you know, I, I echo that, just scripture, not only scripture memory, but I like to paraphrase in my journal. Yeah. Just, and so I'll give you an example. I spent a year in Romans 4, and it just because as a person who had circumstances that seemed contrary to, in the moment, to what God was promising, I just considered, you know, that Abraham without weakening in his faith, you know, considered the fact that his body was as good as dead. So I wrote this prayer out, and I hope I can remember it because I haven't, I used to declare it over my life every day, but I, I move around different passages and I do the same thing. And I think because I, my short-term term memory was almost wiped out, and it's, I've got it back now, and, but it was through scripture memory and praying and saying the scriptures. But first of all, I want you to think about the obstacles in your life that would keep you from daring to dream big with God. Maybe, you know, it's, I have a track record, or I'm not educated, or I don't like people. That's a problem. But anyway, um, whatever your thing is, just picture your obstacles, right? And here it is. Without weakening in my faith, I will face the fact that even though I, okay, without weakening in my faith, I will face the fact that even though there are many reasons I should not be able to fulfill the call of God in my life, I will not waver in unbelief regarding the promises of God. No, I will be strengthened in my faith, giving glory to God, because I am fully persuaded that God has the power and is able to do what he's promised. Therefore, I put no confidence in my obstacles, but all of my confidence in the authority, the dignity, and the power of Almighty God, who daily establishes his purposes for me. I love that, because that's just right out of the Word of God, and I'm personalizing it, saying, yep, there's lots of reasons. I have inconsistent health. I still struggle at times with this or that or the other thing, but God's Word is true. And when I start to say that over my soul, it is amazing. Journaling is a lifeline for me, 
and my rule is I don't have rules, you know? I mean, I might go some days where I don't, and other times I cannot get enough. And, um, and fasting is a very big thing for me. And sometimes that's a media fast. Before a speaking event, I, I cut out media. Um, and otherwise, I will miss a few meals and those kinds of things and just ask God for more of him. Those are my love things, so... Yeah. So I've got three words and it's Jesus is lovelier because my history is one of addiction. I, uh, what's the date? Is it the 24th? So in two days I will be nine years sober from alcohol. Total God story. Total, that God supernaturally healed me of alcoholism. Yeah, it's a good story. Um, and he also supernaturally, uh, although it took a much longer time, healed me of an eating disorder. And he has been at work in my heart, um, uh, handling my if-onlys. And what I came to just start to repeat to myself, because it's true, because it really is true, is Jesus, sir, Jesus is lovelier than alcohol. Jesus is lovelier than an unhealthy way of forcing myself to be skinny. Jesus is lovelier than anyone's approval. Jesus is lovelier than a book deal. Jesus is lovelier than a speaking gate. He's lovelier than, than the, I mean, he's just lovelier. And so that has been what I've just repeated to myself. Boy, that's good. Ann Voskamp's uh, go-to phrase is, God is always good and I'm always loved. I think that's wonderful. And the one that just God gave me that I kind of just say and pray a lot and have for many years is, God is good, his promises are true, and he will always make a way for me. That just has helped me a ton. So, God is good, his promises are true, and he will always make a way for me. I just, we, we thank you so much sharing with us I mean there's just so many great words the Lord has given us through you and so I'm I'm appreciative I'm guessing we all are and again gosh Allison and Kate thank you and um, anyway Logos is back here there's still some sweet treats and until next time Thanks again for joining the conversation. We love hanging out with you guys. Want to stay connected? Like or follow us on Facebook. Subscribe to our YouTube channel or follow us on Instagram. See you next time on Say Something.